You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back. If you didn't miss me, uh, I don't know what to say about that, but I was was gone last week. I was away to a convocation, and I'll, I'll say more about that later, but my heart is full. Uh, I was really refreshed, and I did miss you. Um, I, I was able to watch the service with the live streamers, so if you're on the live stream, it's good to see you again, even though, even though I'm here. So I want to say thanks to Mikkel and Carol and the whole team who kind of led the service last week, especially to Mikkel, who kind of spoke for us. I thought that was a great sermon, kind of launching our new series for Lent, How to Be Human. You might think, I know how to be human. But the question is, do you, right? Do you really know how to be human? Because what the Christian tradition has always told us is that Jesus is fully divine and fully human. And the fact that Jesus is fully divine is something I think that most of us readily receive. Like, we don't have any issues with that. We've been taught that from our childhood, as were our parents and our grandparents. So to say that Jesus is divine, we think, well, of course. But when we start to talk about Jesus' humanity, particularly that Jesus is fully human, well, that seems to confuse us a little bit. Because we look at ourselves and we use ourselves as the standard of humanity, and then we read about Jesus and we think, well, that's kind of different. <laughs> that's not like me. That's, that's, that's something else. But it's interesting, in the scriptures, there's never a passage of scripture that kind of really condemns saying that Jesus isn't divine. I mean, I think the scriptures certainly do point that way. But there's nothing that condemns it, not, at least not in the same way that it condemns the denial of his humanity. In, in the epistle 2 John... The elder writes to a church, and he says this, Those who say that Jesus wasn't human, those that say that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, speak with the spirit of Antichrist. And just in case you didn't know, you don't want to be with that guy. (laughs) The Antichrist, that's the antagonist in the story. And so if the Antichrist, if the antagonist is saying Jesus wasn't really human, you don't want to speak with him. You want to say the other thing, which is that Jesus is human. And so maybe we should look at it like this. Instead of looking at ourselves and imagining that's what it means to be human and then wondering how Jesus is and maybe even questioning whether or not he's fully human, he might be superhuman or other human, we should receive the revelation that Jesus is human and realize that we only become human or live into our humanity when we are like Jesus so that Jesus is the standard of the humanity that we are living into, not we're the standard of humanity that Jesus has to live down to, right? So this passage of Scripture uh, that Justin read to us comes right on the heels of what we call the Messianic Confession, where Jesus said to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're um, Ezekiel, some say you're one of the prophets. And Jesus says, well, well, who do you all say that I am? And Peter spoke up and said, you're the Christ. And Jesus said, that's right. And now Jesus said this. This is is where Justin started. That the Son of Man must suffer many things 
and be persecuted by this group and that group and the other group. And he must die and on the third day rise again. So this will be the first of three times that Jesus predicts his death and his resurrection. And I do want to make that point. Jesus never predicts his death without also predicting his resurrection. He always keeps those together. But that is not at all what Simon, Peter, meant when he said, you're the Christ. When he said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, he did not anticipate him suffering or him being rejected or him dying. That was, he, he didn't want that. He thought that if Jesus was the Christ, if he was the Messiah, that means he was God's anointed king who was going to come and establish God's kingdom in Israel. He was going to expel the Romans. He was going to make things right. He was going to conquer. He was going to deliver. He was going to be their man in Jerusalem, right? And Jesus, this first time he's called the Christ, it's like he kind of sidesteps the issue. Because he knows what their expectations of a Christ will be, whether it was militaristic, or whether it was economic, or even whether it was religious. And he's like, I'm none of those things. I'm, I'm something else. And who I am includes my suffering, my rejection, my death, and my resurrection. So that's what he says. The Son of Man must do all these things. And Mark points out to us that he said it plainly. He said it for all to hear. So this wasn't something he just said to the disciples. He said it for everyone to hear. And he might have said that for everyone to hear, but the very next sentence says that Peter took him aside. Like, come on over here. In fact, I, I, I could use a volunteer to kind of reenact this for me. Let me see. I will choose. I don't see any hands. Mm-hmm. Hey, Caleb, come here. Sorry, buddy. I'll make it up to you later. So I'm going to be Jesus, of course. And I'm going to ask Caleb, our youth pastor. Everybody loves Caleb. I'm going to ask Caleb to be Simon Peter. So this is how it goes. Jesus says for everyone to hear, right, that the Son of Man must suffer, be rejected, die, and be resurrected. And Peter over here pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him. It's like, mm, don't talk like that. <laughs> and it says, this, this is the beautiful part of it. He's pulled him aside, and then it says, Jesus turned to the others and said, get behind me, Satan. Isn't that interesting? It wasn't like when he pulled him aside, he said, get behind me, Satan. He said, he turned to the others and said, get behind me, Satan. Where is Satan at this? I mean, where is Caleb at this point? <laughs> yeah, he's like already behind. Thanks so much. Yeah. You can go sit down. Oh, yes. Caleb's wonderful. He hated that, by the way. And I, and, I, and I deeply appreciate it. So, so Jesus, it says Peter rebukes Jesus, kind of off on the side. Then Jesus turns to the crowd and rebukes Peter. A lot of rebuking going on. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. That's pretty tough. He says, you speak the words of people, 
not the things of God. And I think that's key. Because all of those expectations of the Christ, all of those expectations of the Messiah, all of those expectations that sometimes we hold for how we think God should work in our lives or in our city or in our world, those are the things of people, not the things of God. Like Abram and Sarai, right? The ones who would become Abraham and Sarah. They were thinking through worldly means. They were not thinking through godly means, godly agency. Sarah and Abraham had their expectations just like Peter and everyone else had their expectations. But they weren't able to see the things of God. And that's exactly what Jesus is now trying to teach them. You are right, I am the Christ, but it's not what you expect. It's not what you think. It's the Son of Man, again, coming to suffer, rejected, uh, die, and be resurrected. And the next sentence says, as Jesus is speaking, right? He's turned away from Peter, it seems as though. He's, he's turned to the crowd and he says, get behind me, Satan. We'll get back to that in a second because that's just bizarre. You don't turn to the crowd and then say to somebody behind you, get behind me, right? That's nonsensical. But he, Jesus does it anyway. And then he says to the group, we translate it, if you want to follow me. And typically, I don't, I don't like to get technical with translations on a Sunday morning, except it's exactly the same word that Jesus just spoke to or about Peter. He says, get behind me. And then he looks at the crowd and says, do any of you want to get behind me? Meaning, do any of you want to back me up? We translate it, do any of you want to follow me? Which I understand that, but I think we've lost something in, the, in that translation because we've read it, Jesus' statement to Peter, get behind me, Satan, as though Jesus is expelling Peter. He's casting him out. He's casting him away like he might do with a demon. Like, get away from me. But he's not saying, get away from me. He's saying, get behind me. And then he's inviting the rest of the crowd to also get behind him. Because to get behind Jesus is to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus is to be his student, is to be his disciple, is to be his follower. And he says, if you want to get behind me, if you want to back me up, then you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So not only has he said that you've misunderstood the Christ, the Messiah, it's not the conquering that you're imagining, it's a suffering. right? Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. He didn't come to kill, he came to die. He came to give his life. And he's saying now to his followers that they too must give their life. If you want to get behind me, he says, you have to deny yourself, take your cross and follow me. Because that's the way it's going to work. Those who seek to gain their life will lose it, and those who lose it will gain it. What would, it would, what would a person gain if they gained the whole world but lost their own soul? Wycliffe Bible translators were trying to translate that one time to a people whose language had no sense of the soul. Like their language had no concept for that. And so since they didn't, to say... What, what good would it do you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What did, how would you translate that to a people group that had no concept of soul? 
So they ended up, the, their choice was to translate it like this. Um, it would be, what, what good would it do to cut off your head in order to get a hat? That's how they ended up translating it. What would it do, what good would it do to cut off your head in order to get a hat? It's no good. The, the, the hat doesn't do any good. It's just kind of sitting on your shoulders. And you're dead. <laughs> More importantly. <laughs> There's something else that's, that's at play in all of these things. This is such a beautiful text. If we're right that Jesus is not sending Peter away, right? But saying, don't confront me. Don't resist me. Don't offer me your human way of doing things. But get in line with me. Get behind me. Be my disciple. Follow my divine way of doing things. Right? And then he's inviting the rest of us to also get behind him. You realize if the rest of us get behind Jesus, that we're also behind Peter? Because he's the first in line. Because he was the one that got there first. But he didn't have to move to get there. Peter pulled Jesus aside and rebuked him. And Jesus turned and looked at everyone else. And he's already turned before he has said, get behind me. He has already moved in such a way that Peter is behind him. Ah, Friends, this is so rich and so deep and so beautiful. Our God is on the move and he is already moving in such a way that he's positioning himself just in front of us. That his instruction to get behind didn't even require Peter to move at that point because he has already turned himself and positioned himself so that Peter is behind him. And he then kind of makes the announcement to the group, get behind me, Satan. And Peter must have been standing back there like, (laughs) kind of like Caleb, like, what are you doing, Robbie? (laughs) Peter's like, what are you doing, Jesus? And he's like, stand still, son. You got some things to learn. And we have things to learn. We don't, again, become human until we learn to follow Jesus. At least we don't become fully human. We don't become all we can be, all we were made to be. Like, that's where the truth of humanity is. The truth of humanity lies. That Our true selves, who we were created to be, is discovered in our acts of love and grace and mercy and service and forgiveness as our lives are shaped by the Spirit into the image of the Son, as we as students follow our teacher, as we as disciples follow our rabbi, our example in this life. And that's what we're called to do. And if we're going to follow him, if we're going to be like him, right, then we have to hear what he's saying, that is, to come behind him is to deny ourselves to take up our crosses, and to follow him. And then, and only then, will we be his disciples, his students, and to put a finer point on it, only then will we be human.
So let us today hear these words. Not just Simon says, but what Jesus says. Don't confront me. Don't resist me. Don't accuse me. Get behind me. And I think that get behind me, this is my final point, I think that get behind me has, a, has another meaning. I don't know if this is a double or triple entendre at this point. But to get behind someone is kind of like to back them up, to kind of be there for them. And if, again, we receive the revelation that Jesus is the man of sorrows, that that Jesus is the suffering servant, that Jesus carries with him the sorrow of the world, then he needs some friends. He needs companions. Just like he says to Peter and James and John, can you not suffer? Can, can you not stay awake one hour in prayer? And I think he's calling to us to be his friend because he bears many sorrows, many pains, many tears. And anyone who carries those types of things needs a friend. And he says, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. Of course, he never did call us slaves. But he does call us friends. And he calls us friends the same way he called Abraham a friend. Because he's come in such a way that is vulnerable. The only way love can come. And so we, together, get to practice this in our lives. To live it to its fullest. And that's good news. That we can all become human. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.